podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Coombe Cassis for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. We're in the Metrum bubble here, ahead of Chisora versus Parker, live on Sky Sports box office and the zone, making his long-awaited return to the UK to fight, Mr Chris Eubank Jr. All right, mate? Great. In, on sh- uh, in shape and on weight. So uh, I just had fish and chips, actually. For, um, Sorry, say that again. You had fish and chips? Yeah. Finished oh, yeah, it. Just finished yeah. it. Yeah, it's, uh, that's how on weight I am. I was. I woke up. I was two pounds over, over the weight limit um, this morning. So yeah, I had a little bit of fish and chips, a little bit of energy. Got uh, the public workout in a few hours. Yeah, feeling good. Is it going to feel a bit weird actually fighting in the UK again after a couple of years? I know you didn't kind of have that many fights in that period we're talking about, but. It has been a while since you fought here. Yeah, um, so my last fight was in New York. Uh, lasted two rounds. Um, and ever since then, I've been in the States. I've been in America training, living out there. Um, it won't be weird cut fighting back here. I've you know, fought out here my whole life, but it's, it's definitely good to be back. I've only been back in the country for about a month. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to be back. Why Marcus Morrison? Um, well, you know, people say, people are asking me why I picked him. I didn't pick him. You know, my promoter offered me the fight, uh, offered me the name. And, you know, I've been out of the ring for a long time. Uh, and Marcus Morrison, you know, solid guy, decent record, somebody that's going to get in there, test me, somebody that I can go in there and, and, um, you know, practice and, and work on the things that I've been practicing on with Roy. Um, ten round fight, you know, it's the, it's the perfect it's the perfect stepping stone to a big fight in the summer. Um, and I'm not underestimating him. You know, I'm not overlooking him. Um, you know, people are saying I'm the big favourite. Uh, I don't listen to any of that. As far as I'm concerned, he's got two hands, two gloves, and uh, this is his big shot. So I'm expecting him to go in there and, uh, and take it to me. And I'm going to bring it to him. Is that how you're ultimately viewing this, though? You use that term, stepping stone, and we know that you wouldn't overlook anyone that you were stepping into the ring with. But, you know, you've, in previous interviews we've done over the last six months, you've mentioned the likes of Charlo and all these kind of guys. So, but you're viewing Marcus Morrison as kind of in your words, a warm-up fight before you go into those fights. Is that how you see it? Listen, Marcus Morrison to me is a multi-million pound fight. Without him, without, without getting past him, if I was to lose, I don't get the money, I don't get the big fights, I don't get the world titles. This is a multi-million pound fight for me. Um, you know, my promoters wanted me to have a warm-up. Um, you know, that's what they're calling it. To me, he's just another guy I've got to beat. In some respects, fights like this are probably more dangerous than, than certain other fights because there is an anticipation that you could overlook. We know you won't, but there is an anticipation that you're expected to win the fight and you are a favourite in the fight. So you've got to keep switched on and focused regardless of what people say. Absolutely. you know, And there's been a lot of upsets lately with guys that have 
you know, haven't prepared or have overlooked their opponents. Um, I'm not one of those guys, man. For me, every fight is, is a world title fight. Uh, I have to go in there, I have to make a statement. And, um, you know, I'm expecting Marcus to come in there and try and take me out because this is, this is his big shot. If he beats me, uh, he's at the top of the list. So I've got to be on my game 100%. Let's talk about your link up with um, Sauland. Um, obviously, now teamed up with with Wasserman. Uh, but talk to me about your relationship with Callis Sauland and why he's the best person to direct you in the next phase of your career. Well, yeah, you know, it was obviously I went out to the states. I, I signed with uh, PBC and Showtime, and uh, COVID hit. You know, I, w I was supposed to fight Charlo last year you know they had set that up we both fought on the same bill uh, at the end of 2019 in New York and uh, they were going to set that fight up for early 2020 COVID hit ruined everything um, and my career got put on hold and the thing with you know PBC they have so many fighters and you know they just didn't have uh, they weren't able to give me or they weren't able to keep me as active as I needed to be. You know, so I was in a situation where I didn't know where I was fighting. I didn't know if I was fighting. I didn't know what show I was going to be on. Um, I'd been inactive. And, you know, that's when we got, we got the call from the Sal and the Sal and team, Sal and brothers. And uh, they, put, they put an awesome deal in front of me. So um, we, I decided that was the best way to go. Uh, you know, am I disappointed that I didn't get to kind of um, go to America and, you know, get that new audience? Sure, but everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, I'm a Brit. Fighting in Britain is always going to be... Uh, I'm always going to love doing it. It's, it's always something I'm very passionate about. So um, I'm happy to be back, and there's some there's some massive fights out there to be made out here. So I'm ready. I spoke to your trainer Roy Jones Jr. for quite some time yesterday about your developing relationship over the years with him, and um, yeah, it was good to kind of get his take. You know, we've heard from you talk about Roy um, and your training side of things, etc. But it must be good to have Roy here in the UK in your corner for this fight. Yes, you know it's surreal. I never, I, I didn't, I never would have thought, you know, growing up as a kid, watching him, studying him, uh, I never would have thought that Roy would one day be in my corner, training me. Um, it's just, it's crazy how life works, you know. You know, I was in Vegas, COVID hit. I'd met Roy a week before at a fight show, and I'd found out, you know, we we spoke, and I'd found out he had a, a private gym on his farm. Um, all the gym, Floyd's gym shut down in Vegas which is where I was training at you know I didn't do I go home back to England do I stay here and see what happens with this COVID thing I didn't know what to do uh, and I thought you know what I wonder if if Roy's gym's going to stay open because all, all the gyms apparently are closed so we made the call and he said come on down and I flew out the next day and ended up staying there for a year and a half and now he's going to be in my corner for the rest of my career so crazy how life works and um, you know even though I haven't fought in so long I still feel I've improved as a fighter um, 
which is very hard for most people, to, most fighters to say. I think most fighters have either stayed the same or have got worse because of COVID. For me, I feel like I've actually improved just by staying with Roy, being with him and learning from him every day. Um, so now it's just up, for me, up to me to go out there and, and, and show off everything we've been working on over the last 16, 17 months. Just from things that you've told me in interviews in the past regarding trainers that you've had, I did ask Roy yesterday, you know, from instructions and kind of the advice, whatever Roy does with you, how much of it does Chris take on board and, and listen to? And he said, I think he used the word like, most of it majority so that relationship seems to be working on that scale compared to what you've told me in the past your relationships with trainers well you know I, I haven't really you know as you know I haven't really had trainers you know I've had one or two guys here and there um, it was always very hard for me to really trust in trainers because you know all right, you're telling me to do this, you're telling me to move that way, eat that, do this, train at this time. How do you know that's the right thing? You haven't done it. Um, and that's just, and, and that's not to say that you can't be a great trainer without being an accomplished fighter, because actually most, train, or most of the great trainers weren't, you know, world champion boxers. And actually most world champion boxers make terrible trainers. But it was just a mental thing with me. I couldn't, I found it hard to listen and trust somebody that hadn't actually been there and done it. Obviously, when Roy Jones tells you to do something, you know, if, even if you're not sure about it, you can go on YouTube and, and watch him do it against somebody else. So you know everything he's saying is 100%. Um, so I think that, that trust and that belief in him is what has made this relationship so great. But Chris, you talk about kind of, you find it difficult to trust trainers in the past because, yeah, you've kind of questioned possible methods, etc. But why take them on board in the first place as part of your team if you have those kind of doubts? Well, I mean, who did I take on board? I, I, I haven't really, I haven't had any trainers. Obviously, my father's been there. Um, and, you know, I've, I've learned so much from him, but he wasn't one of those day-in, day-out trainers. He was there for a little while and go, and, you know, so it wasn't... I was kind of left to my own devices. Ronnie Davis, again, amazing. Been with me from day one, but he wasn't training. He was an advisor. He was an overseer. Um, you know, I would go and I would work with Floyd Mayweather Sr., but, you know, I was, only, I was only with him for, you know, a month or something, and then I wouldn't see him for a year or six months. Um... I, had, I think I had Adam Booth for a fight, um, you know, and did I tell you why that, how that, how that relationship ended? I think I'm not too sure if you've indulged in this information or not. So, um, I thought I might, but anyway, so yeah, it was a sparring session. Um, and uh, Michael Venom Page, the, the MMA fighter came out to me. Have you heard the story? I don't believe I have, actually. Um, he came down to the gym. I didn't actually know he was at the time. I just thought I was having another normal sparring session. Um, so he came down, we spar for one round, and uh, I always have 30-second rests in between rounds. That's just how I do it. Um, 
So the round finished. I said, all right, just so you guys know, it's 30 second rest. The bell's going to go in 30 seconds. And Michael's trainer said, no, we do minute, minute rests. And uh, I said, all right, well, that's what you might do, but you know, you've come down to spar me and this is how I'm, this is how I'm training, you know? So we're going to do 30 seconds. That's what I want to do. And his trainer was like, no, we're not, we're not doing 30 second rests. We're doing a minute rest. I was like, you know, said to him and Michael, listen, you know, no one's forcing you to be here. You came down to spar me. I won't do 30 second rests. If, you, if, you, if you're not comfortable with that, there's other guys waiting to get in the ring. So you guys can, you can leave. And uh, Michael got out of, the, out of the ring and they left. Uh, and Adam Booth left with them. He was upset, I guess, that I had sabotaged that particular spa. And I don't think I sabotaged it. I mean, that's how I train, you know, 30 second rests. You know, if you're not comfortable with it, then let, let other guys get in the ring who are comfortable. Um, so in Adam Booth leaving, that, that just, you know, a trainer is always supposed to stick by their fighter. Whether they're wrong or whether they're right, you stick by your man. He didn't stick by me. Um, so that's when you know I kind of decided that that relationship wasn't. I don't. I, I didn't think it was the best for me. Um, but yeah. So to cut a long story short, aside from aside from that, that, I haven't. I haven't employed trainers. I haven't had guys around me. I've. I've. I've brought everyone myself to schedule training. To you know, to decide how many rounds I'm doing, to decide what I'm doing in the gym. That was all on me for most of my career. But now, that has been passed to Roy. And he well, does set the schedule and I listen to it. I've forgotten his name, so excuse me, but the guy you were working with who uh, was training you for the Nate James... Vasquez, yeah. Nate Vasquez, excuse me, apologies about that. Nate Vasquez. Um, so what was the situation there with Nate? Nate was... Um, he was a guy that I, I watched uh, training a few fighters at Floyd's gym. Um, after the Gross fight, I decided that I did need a trainer. Uh, and you know I had watched him, and uh, you know I liked certain things that he was doing. I needed somebody. I didn't, you know, I didn't really know anybody in England that I that I would be comfortable training me. Um, so I tested him out, and it, and it was it worked. You know, it was, but but you know, there's levels to it. Nate, you know, he was more of a a, a pad man. Um, Roy is a trainer, you know, Roy teaches you, teaches you things and, and teaches you why you're doing these things. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, it, perfect timing really, meeting Roy. Okay, um, have you put your 10 grand bet on? That bet will be placed and the ticket stub will be posted within the next week. £10,000 on Billy Joe Saunders to get sparked by Canelo Alvarez. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. I know you don't want to hear that because he's your best bud, but, you know, that's what I think is going to happen. I don't want to hear that. It's, that's your, if that's what your opinion, that's your opinion. We, we, we all know you don't want to hear it, but that's what I think is going to happen. I think he's going in there to give up his belt for a payday. And... Um, Listen, I, you know, let, I hope he proves me wrong. You know, I, I hope he proves that... Do you really, though? Well, listen, I still want to fight him, eventually. 
that fight still has to happen. So, what would I rather? Fight the guy who got battered by Canelo or fight the guy that beats Canelo? Obviously, I want to fight the guy who beats Canelo. Um, but, cannot see it. Cannot see it. So, uh, yeah, the £10,000 bet's going in and, you know, I'm going to get a nice little payday at the end of that night. Did you hear Billy Joe Saunders' response to you putting or potentially putting on a £10,000 bet? Uh, I heard something about him saying uh, pay that for a, a ringside seat or something like a ticket. Yeah, his words were uh, use the money to buy a ringside seat. It's the closest you'll get to a Canelo fight. Oh, you know, he's got to say something. Um, but, you know, let's, let's, let's have it right. You know... Since he fought me, he actually hasn't fought anybody until Canelo, in my opinion. No disrespect, but, you know. Well, Andy Lee, David Lemieux. Sorry. I mean, listen, you know. You, got, you can't say that you can't give any fighter credits for wins over people like Andy Lee and David Lemieux, surely. You know, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. But in my opinion, he hasn't been tested. He hasn't had a true test since me. Um, you know, so for him to talk about, oh, this is a close, I'm going to get to the you know, you, you haven't done anything. You, yeah, yeah, you nicked a fight against me and then you've just coasted your way uh, over the years and now you're taking a payday to get beat. Um, and then after you get beat, you're going to want to fight me for another payday. Um, you know, that's the type of guy he is. I hope he wins, but... Uh, yeah, I hope I lose my £10,000 because I want to fight him. I, I want to fight the guy who beats Canelo over the guy that got pummeled by Canelo, but I don't see it happening, and I think I'm going to make a nice little payday off of it. There has been a whole host of other fighters that you've been kind of linked with, um, especially when you signed for Sal and I spoke, spoke to Callis Allen about potential fights with... Liam Williams, Kel Brook, these kind of guys um, we've spoken about as well. Remember you quite famously labelled those fights as, as warm-up fights. Um, but are these potential fights that we could see you in as well? In the summer, yeah. Um, a lot of names out there, Eddie Hearn and, and, uh, and Kel Brook have been talking a, big, talking a big game. So that's a potential fight for the summer. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of great fighters in the middleweight division. You know, Royota Murata has the full WBA title. I'm the interim world champion, so that fight makes sense. Um, yeah, Charlo. Golovkin you still want, obviously. Golovkin is the fight that I want at the end of the year. Um, you know, beat a big name in the summer, get Golovkin in the winter. That is the, the goal. And, um, you know, that fight has to happen. It has to happen. He is the, you know, the number one guy in the middleweight division. Um, I want that title. I want that. I want that. That accolade. Um, I want that crown. Uh, and now that I'm back down at middleweight, this is the perfect time to get it. How realistic is that to happen by the end of the year? I think it's very realistic. You know, the Salem brothers told me that's a fight they're actively pushing for. So. You know, and, and I don't see anybody else calling him out. I don't see the fans wanting anybody else to fight him. You know, they want somebody that's going to go in there and test his chin. 
they want someone that's going to get in there and not be afraid to go at this guy. Um, they know I am that type of man. So, yeah, the fight has to be made. You're also called up by newly crowned British champion and also Commonwealth champion Felix Cash over the weekend. I don't know if you saw that or not. I didn't, know. Okay. Okay, I'm just pointing out that, yeah, a lot of fighters do call you out, but, yeah, Felix Cash after his win over... Denzel Bentley last week, yeah, mentioned that you were a fight that he would like. Yeah, I mean, you know, calling guys out, calling me out and actually getting in the ring with me is, is two different things. Um, uh, you know, I'm not looking at British level. I'm looking at world titles and I'm looking at names, big names, big, big names. Um, that's what 2021 is for me. Have you found bubble life? I've only been here for a couple of days. It's been all right. You know, I just stay in my room for the first 24 hours before I, to, before I got my COVID test back. Um, but yeah, it's the same as any other, any other situation, any other, any other, you know, week before a fight. You know, you're in the hotel, you're chilling, you, you're, you're cutting the weight, you're in the gym, you're doing the pad work, you know, you're getting on the running machine. It's the same thing, really. And now that we've all kind of, you know, tested negative, we, we don't have to wear the mask. We can just walk about. So it's, uh, it's nice. I'm comfortable. Do you think we could bring Roy in for a couple of minutes here? Sure. Oh, he's Roy, on the phone. A couple of minutes. Yeah. Sorry to inter- inter- interrupt Roy's phone call here. No way. All right, let me just get you to show Excuse me. Roy, we spoke last night and you were talking a little bit about uh, your relationship, how it's developed over the years, um, with, over the last two or three years with Chris Eubank Jr. But what kind of Chris Eubank Jr. are we expecting to see this week against Marcus Morrison? I'm expecting to see the same explosive Chris Eubank Jr. that we always see. Uh, just with a little more smartness behind it. So, I mean, the old Chris Eubank Jr., the one that I met before, probably could have beat this guy with no problem. And I still want him to beat the guy the same way he planned on doing it. Just that I want you to have a little, a little bit more of a thought process with it. And, and we also spoke yesterday and I said to you that from someone like yourself taking on someone like Chris, you wouldn't just take on anyone for the sake of it. You'd have to truly believe in Chris's ability and still further potential for you to work with him, which you clearly do. Yeah, what I really believe in the most, though, is that he's dedicated to learning boxing. That means more to me than anything because I teach people all the time, but it's like, I don't want to teach nobody that's not dedicated to learning. He's dedicated to learning, and he proved that to me right away. Um, Chris, yeah, this is obviously a, a flourishing relationship you have here with Roy. It really is, and I, you know, I, I, I didn't know what to expect when I first entered, uh, entered the gym. You know, it's Roy Jones Jr., you know, and I didn't know he was a trainer, and I, and I thought maybe be there for you know an hour or two every few weeks and you know then he just go and do his own thing but no he was he was on me 24 7 from day one and uh i feel that's what a fighter needs as a trainer someone that's dedicated somebody that's going to actually spend the time and that's what roy's done roy chris was just talking about past experiences with trainers how he's found it difficult to trust someone where he would look at a potential trainer and say 
question their methods, etc., because he doesn't believe that possibly that they know more than him. Am I am I right in saying that? Sure. So. With knowing that, obviously, doesn't question you because of your pedigree in boxing as a whole. But what do you think about those comments? There's nothing wrong with those comments. That's how you should be. If a person can't teach you nothing, then what are you with them for? You understand me? So it's like, that's why I really want him to come and see me at first and see what he thought about my training method, see if he liked it. He didn't never leave. <laughs> he came and stayed. So obviously it was what he was looking for because he stayed there. So I was like, okay, cool. And after about, I think after about a week and a half it was, I asked, I said, you with me? He said, yeah, I'm with you. I said, all right. So I'm start opening up myself and go ahead and show you what I need to show you. But I want to see whether he was dedicated or not first. Which you clearly say he is. Of course, without a question. Was more dedicated than anybody there at the time. That's quite a compliment as well, Chris. Yeah, I think it says a lot about me because, you know, I, I didn't have to go. I didn't have to leave the comfort of Las Vegas or England. Uh, you know, I'm a city boy. You know, Vegas, Brighton, London, that's where, I, that's where I thrive. That's what I love. I don't know or I didn't know anything about being in the country surrounded by raccoons and snakes and alligators and armadillos. Chickens? Chickens yeah, yeah. running in and out of the ring while I'm sparring. You know, I didn't know about any of that. And I, you know, I, I still find that alien. But I put myself in that, uh, in that zone, in that uncomfort because I wanted to be around the best, I wanted to learn from the best, I wanted to improve. Um, like I said, I didn't have to do any of that, but I did it. And um, I think that says a lot about my mindset and what I want to do moving forward. You know, I always say it, that there's, there's so much more for me to do in the game, there's so much more for me to achieve. And um, I think this is the man to help me do that. He's targeted as his number one fight for the end of this year, Gennady Golovkin. How do you like that fight for Chris? I love that fight for Chris. Uh, I'm going to tell you the truth about it. Most of these guys really will try to ex avoid Chris because of how explosive Chris is. You know, no guy, nobody loves to be hit by a guy who's explosive. That's what dominated Tyson's career. He was so explosive. So people don't want that explosiveness. So for him, a lot of them say they want to fight him, but they really don't because he's too explosive, which is good. So now if we can take that explosiveness and add a little bit more mentality with it, to make him a mental guy who's also explosive, he becomes the most dangerous guy in the division. Do you believe he's capable of beating Golovkin? He's capable of beating everybody in the division because he has that explosiveness. When you got explosiveness and you're willing to learn to use that thinker, which he's a good, great thinker already, that's why he played poker so well. He's a great thinker and he got poker face. So he has all the attributes to be a great fighter, and I knew that already. You understand? But the more I learned about him, the more I learned that even more how far he can go because he has it. If you can play poker, it's like chess, like I said. Boxing is a chess match. But if you can play poker, you got to think. You got to be willing to gamble. You got to be willing to sit there and when you know something hurt, but you still got to be acting like it's okay. That's, that's what you got to have in boxing to be the top. If you can't play poker or play chess, you can't be a top fighter. That was very eloquently put. Yeah, listen, it's, you know, boxing is, uh, you know, it, 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 I think it's, it's 70% mental, you know, people always, people who don't know the sport who are, who are looking at us as fighters, um, you know, they think you've got to be big and strong and fast, uh, and that's how you, that's how you be, that's how you become the best. Um, but what I found is that the mental side of things, being smart, um, you know, being relentless, 
that counts for way more. You know, I've seen these guys, they're great bodies, fast, hitting the pads, you know, they even spar great. But then when they get in the ring on the night, once those big lights are on, and the money's on the line, and the pride's on the line, and their life is on the line, they crumble. Um, and they'll lose to a guy who's not as athletically gifted, but who has that mental strength. Roy is increasing my mental strength um, through his teachings, through his techniques, and uh, yeah, I'm just excited to show it all off in a couple of days. Well, two or three days, and then yeah, fight night here in Manchester, live on Sky Sports box office and the zone. So yeah, good to see you back in the UK, Chris Fighting, and Roy. Great to have you in Manchester, and yeah. To be honest with you, everyone's talking about Roy being in Manchester <laughs> ahead of anyone else on the card. So, yeah. Okay, best of luck on the weekend. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast, sponsored by William Hill, in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network.